it's our job as technology companies uh, to provide them with the training and information about the product that gives them the confidence to actually adopt it um, and not just a user count, but also the percentage of the product they use. So, you know, if you're, if you're only using 25% of a CRM, uh, you know, 75% of the value of that CRM is going out the door. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 355 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend or two. This week, I'm going to talk to, I guess it would be somebody that I, I connect with regularly in the circuit. And when I say made by circuit, it's the different conferences and events and things that happen throughout the year. Uh, I first met Stuart Sim, who is the uh, head of industry development for Chime. Uh, I first met him in an imminent event. I'm sure I'll bring that up with him. Uh, we also uh, run into each other at a lot of different places and events. It's been really fun to watch his company grow. Uh, and he's got a really cool story. So we're going to get this going today. Let's not waste any more of Stuart's time. Stuart, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. Our first meeting was in an imminent event in New York. I'm fairly sure of that. And I would say over half of the guests on this podcast had their, my first meeting was probably at an imminent event. <laughs> so yeah, well, you and I both do the tour. Yeah. <laughs> we see each other often on the road at some of the, you know, the really good shows that are out there and events where you meet all these people and you develop these kind of relationships. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. The, the word connected right in their title and it does, you know, Brad's done a great job of doing that for all of us. So, um, I think some people may have already heard it a little bit in your, you have a bit of an accent, Stuart. I know you're aware of that. Um, you are not from the US of A, you are Canadian, correct? I am a Canadian, yeah. uh, long-term Canadian. <laughs> I grew up on the East Coast, moved to Vancouver 30 years ago. Uh, great country to live in. Yeah. You mentioned East Coast, so I, I'm just doing a little bit of digging. It seemed like you grew up in Quebec, right? So you're, uh, am I correct there? Montreal area? Yeah, I grew up in the West Island of Montreal uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, which was a really different time there. Um, language barriers, you know, I went to a French school, my brothers and sisters went to an English school, all these different components. But for me, it worked out well, because I ended up, you know, learning that second language. Uh, and ultimately, you know, my goal is to learn a third one. And, uh, you know, as I, I keep pushing it off, as I get older, I really want to do it more. So, Yeah. Interesting times for sure. Was it was it relatively simple? You keep hearing that as a child, that's the time to be doing this kind of stuff, like learning an instrument, picking up that second language. I would imagine speaking English at home and having to speak French at school, it, it, it happened pretty quickly. Yeah, you, you had to develop really quickly. <laughs> the difference being like when I think about when I go back to Montreal now, I can still speak the language. And my brother who's lived there for you know, 60 years still struggles with the basics, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's insane. But those six or seven years where I was full-time French made a ton of sense. Uh, and I, I was happy at the results. It is so unique to have um, 
you know, a province or a state where, you know, the, 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 that, that entity just be like, our, our language is French. We'll speak English, I guess. I mean, how do, tell me exactly how that works. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm such a neophyte when it comes to how Canada works. <laughs> no, I, again, I, I use the examples of going back there, right? So my mom still lives there and I have family back there. But when I go into a store that first time, you know, my instinct is to speak English, but they automatically, they, they speak French. Yeah. And you have the choice to speak English or French. They'll respond in English. But I actually like it because it gives me a chance to practice. Right. Um, now, growing up was a little different because you were in that uh, separation phase where Quebec wanted to separate from Canada. Right. So languages were, call it an issue, you know, between the French and English. Uh, and that's kind of gone away now. Uh, so it's a little bit easier. Uh, Montreal still, you know, heavy English uh, contingent there, lives there. Um and, you know, Montreal is so close to Ontario that it doesn't really make that much of a difference. And the northern states, right, Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, five-hour drive to Boston. So, super easy. Yeah, you're – you're how far from the border, say, to get into Vermont? I, th- I think it's very close, right? It's like 45 minutes. Wow. Okay. Once you, but, get, uh, once you get off the island of Montreal, it's like 45 minutes. Okay. Yeah, it's, not, it's not far. Well, let's, let's – I'm just, I like talking sports a little bit, you know, you know that I'm, I'm just going to guess you're a hockey guy. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> wow. Absolutely. And is it, is it, is it the Habs or is it not? It wasn't the Habs. Wow. Uh, what it happened? wasn't the Habs and it never really has been. Uh, so because we, I lived so close to Montreal, we, uh, to Boston, we spent our summers in Boston. So I typically lean towards the New England team. So the Patriots, wow. the Bruins, Red Sox, not the Celtics because I'm not a basketball guy, but um, yeah. And of course, now that I've lived in Vancouver for so long, you know, Vancouver, you're seeing them on the news. Uh, so a little bit of that for sure. And now the wow. Kraken have a team, which is fantastic, right? Seattle. Yeah. So they made the playoffs. Pretty exciting to watch. Uh, the, the stadium that they built down there is really impressive. But yeah, growing up, Absolutely, Bruins. So that had to be weird, uh, living in Montreal, supporting <laughs> the Bruins <laughs> with everybody else, hardcore Canadians. How, do you, how, how did that go? Uh, you know what? I think I liked it just because I was the difference. Yeah. Uh, and as I got older, you know, when you go to college and you start getting together and, you know, gambling a little bit, throwing <laughs> sure. a fiver down just for the games. Yeah. Uh, it was super fun. But at that time, the you know, Montreal was pretty dominant. Uh, yep. So it was a tough one because they used to pretty much slap the Bruins around. Seventies and eighties, they won a lot. It's different today, right? Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. That's true. It's true. I, I, my, my heart goes out to all the uh, Maple Leaf fans. I mean, I thought this year might be the year. Maybe they could get close. Oh, it's just too bad, right? <laughs> you don't yeah. feel bad for them. No, not a Leafs fan at all. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, all right, let's. We'll move off that. Let's move forward. Um, look, you head off to university. I'm sure in your mind, you're going, I'm going to be working in real estate, in the SaaS world, all kinds of tech. Is that what you were thinking? Well, there was no such tech at the time. <laughs> right. uh, you know, we wrote papers by hand and had someone type them up for us, yep. which was, uh, you know, the back in the day of university. Uh, yep. My, you know, my first computer on my desk was in like 95 and it was, I think it was shared. I did take business at school, um, but I really didn't know what I wanted to be uh, when I was going to university. I actually was a football player. When it got to the university level, I wasn't fast enough or strong enough. So I didn't see a lot of playing time and 
kind of hit me in the face a little bit that said, you know, this isn't going to happen. Uh, I finished school and I decided I needed some time away. So I actually, uh, I'm a pretty good golfer, just kind of hit it around pretty good. Uh, so I actually went away and taught uh, golf for a couple of years in Mexico and the Caribbean. Uh, just to, you know, instead of doing the backpacking thing around Europe, I took a different path to, yeah. to kind of give me a break. Uh, and then when I came back, technology still wasn't where it's at today. Uh, I was, there was no, no such thing as email or anything like that, but I, I did understand kind of the sales side of things, you know? So my first job was actually selling photocopiers door to door, uh, in Vancouver once I had moved out here. And, you know, once you get some form of technology on your resume, and that's just when things were kicking off with email and, you know, mm -hmm. the interweb. Kind of like early, early in the mid nineties, right? What we're talking about. That's right. Yep. yep. Uh, late nineties, I actually got recruited by this company called WebSmart, which was a online secure card payment solution. Mm. Uh, and that led to, you know, databases. And once I got into database technology, that led me to, I actually did a deal with realtor.com to provide their human capital uh, software, their software as a service. So I, I was already about 10 years into database technology. Uh, and about a month after we finished the deal, they called me and said that you want to come on board. We're trying to reshape top producer and the top producer sales team. Uh, and I took that on. Uh, and we went from a sales team of 10 down to four because I just trimmed everything off and then started building it back up based on what I believed was really going to be necessary. Uh, and we took the revenue from it had, it had come all the way down after the debacle of 2008. This was 2011. We took the revenue from 30 million up to 65 million really quickly uh, wow. and grew the sales team from 10. Uh, to 35 reps plus, you know, 10 support people. So wow. it was a true organization. I was there for almost eight years and, and it was really how I got super passionate about real estate. You know, I took the, took the role, started learning about real estate, started going to the events, uh, but also just listening to realtors on a day-to-day basis and mm -hmm. how they struggle with technology and, you know, how a two hour call to get set up was, you know, hard to do based on what they, you know, had available in their day. So I really did get passionate uh, about real estate when I worked for top producer realtor.com because I ended up leading teams in both companies. Um, and then uh, I broke away from there and started my own company, uh, which was uh, Facebook advertising for real estate agents called Martin Agent uh, because agents struggled uh, in the late 2018, 2019s and 20s. And then I jumped to Chime about uh, 18 months ago uh, because yeah. I saw a massive technical opportunity because the technology that Chime builds is super fantastic. A um, little bit of a struggle with the branding side, but you know we're getting there. You said a lot there. So I'm going to go back real quick. First of all, <laughs> the position you played in college, what would what, you come linebacker. out of? Linebacker. Linebacker. Oh, Nelly. Linebacker. Okay. Yeah. I was 6'2", 220 linebacker. That's, I was going to say back in, in that day, it was probably okay. You were of, of average size for a linebacker, maybe even bigger, I would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good. Uh, and still playing golf. <laughs> still play golf. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's all important. I still stuff. play hockey twice a week. Do you really? Now we got to talk about that for a second. So, Stuart, you're close to my age. I'm a little older than you are. But what is it like at a, I'll call it a senior level, there, there can't be as much checking. There has to be, it has to be a little uh, more low key. Or is there always that one guy, 
that one guy who just thinks he's he's living this dream and he's going to take it out on somebody. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's interesting because as I get older, uh, the game becomes harder to play. But yes, so I play in an over 30 league. Oh, so wow. I'm playing with guys who are, you know, 31, 32 years old and still thinking of themselves as I'm the man. Yep. Um, yep. And guys who played high level hockey, uh, whether it was junior or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, semi pro are guys that play in this league. So yes, I'm now officially the oldest guy in the league. Wow. Uh, and I feel over the last two years, I've kind of lost a step. You know, I get, I'm getting a little, you know, my brain isn't telling my legs how to move as fast as they used to. So, um, that part of it is where I struggle. And, you know, when we kick off in the, in the fall, I might try and see if there's an over 50 league, but I, I I'm still pretty competitive. Like that's the okay. hard part is the competitive nature of what I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still ski. I still want to do all these fun things, you know, jumping off cliffs into a lake. And, you know, my body is like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Do you play defense? I'm just guessing. I, I would imagine. I do. Yeah. Cause I've I always played defense. Okay. And, th- and that's the one that that's where the guys can really play a long time in their careers. I watch the NHL. Um, you can be effective. Uh, and and be a little bit older back there as opposed to the. Yeah, I've still got a pretty good shot. So, nice. Yeah. You like I moving up in the up. power play and it's all good, right? <laughs> That's totally. awesome. I I had no idea about this, Stuart. This is great. I'm I, we, we've been chatting together for almost two years now, and uh, I'm getting a lot out of this. Good. Well, let's get back. Let's get back to the other the important stuff. With your experience, I mean, you you uh, I've sat and talked with you. I've watched you talk to others, uh, and you talked about you know you have a consulting you know company. Um, there, there are, there have to be, when you're talking to a startup that's got some issues, are there common things that tech startups and especially maybe it's the real estate space routinely struggle with? Like, do you almost know going into a conversation with somebody, oh, they're going to have trouble here and here? What would that be? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that, that's, that's absolute, absolutely. Now the first one is money. Right. Okay. They raise this, they raise a bunch of money and they spend it like they're going out of style. And I have mm-hmm. an ex- a couple of examples where, you know, during COVID, uh, you get the call, you get the call saying, you know, things are great. Or you run into them at a show and you start the conversation again. And they're like three months later when the bubble bursts, mm-hmm. they're running out of money and they're basically selling for nothing. Right. Um, so, you know, you have to get, if, if my recommendation is always get a good CFO, uh, an older CFO that controls that younger mind of wanting to push forward so fast. Uh, and technology is moving so fast right now that, you know, you get caught up in the race and you get caught up in the competitive nature of the industry that we're in. And, you know, whether it's a, a large franchise or tech company like a co-star or even Zillow, you know, they're moving forward fast and furious with new products and things. But when you're a small startup, you need to form certain relationships that are going to benefit you long term. Um, And, you know, whether that's a partnership with a larger organization that can help you move forward with your user count to get your monthly revenue up there so you can actually pay the bills without dipping in um, to your seed money uh, is my first advice. Mm-hmm. Well, second advice is part of that as well, which is those partnerships. I think those are are really key. And we talk about that often Yep, is, that, you know, and we are in an incestuous industry where people 
work together because they like each other or, you know, you get an opportunity with some larger organization because you're out on the road and you, you know, you develop that relationship. So, you know, a lot of these tech guys, uh, the problem is that they're not salesy, right? They are tech driven. So their mind thinks a little bit different. Uh, So you need to give them that guidance. Uh, And if you can, you know, introduce them to people at trade shows and help them along pushing through those to to, to make sure that the brand gets established. And then they're going to have a bigger opportunity than, say, you know, someone who's just sitting behind their desk building technology. Uh, Right. No one loves that. Yeah, not getting out there and uh, being a part of the, I mean, it's almost like you got to be a part of the community. I mean, it really, it's just mandatory, right? Yeah, I look at one company right now that's doing really well, Rentsbury. Um, oh, yeah. incredible. And, Mike, and yeah. Mike, Michael and his team are out there. Like they're at every event They're yep. They're looking at partnerships that make sense. You know, they're not just jumping into everybody into bed with everybody. So I, I really respect him for the fact that what he's built, uh, and the direction he's taking that, that organization. Um, so, you know, that's a great example of success in real estate technology. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Chime. You're with Chime. You're, uh, I think, uh, well, head of industry development. I, I think yep. that's you know appropriate. There are so many companies in the tech space in real estate that do multiple things. Let's let's just go down that path, Stuart. What what does Chime do? How is Chime different? Um, and wh- what's your take on you know all the different stuff that's out there? Yeah. So. I'll start with Chime because I I joined Chime because I love the technology. I think it's, it does deliver, I'm going to call it 85 to 90% of what a real estate agent needs. Uh, They're always going to need more help. uh, And they're always going to believe that they need more technology because something new comes out like AI and everyone gets excited on this. Chime is different because we kind of look at what's out there in the, in the real estate technology world. And we look at what people need and how long it's going to take to develop and when will it be ready? Um, so we've gone down the AI path. We started about 18 months ago. Now Chime is a full platform, right? It is IDX website, CRM, social media marketing, back and transaction management, CMA, uh, text, email marketing, you know, full marketing platform for real estate agents, leads coming in, you know, long-term conversion but we really focus on some other things. And what we're focusing on heavily right now is the AI portion to help take some of the heavy lifting away from real estate agents. Um, that's And that's really what we are focused on uh, from a Chime perspective. Now, we also have two sister companies. One is called Lofty, which is our MLS product, uh, which is about to release. It's, it's not in market yet, but it's coming really soon. And then in October of last year, we purchased a company called Rentancy. Uh, and Rentancy is a property management company, okay. uh, property management software. Mm-hmm. If you look at the market for property management, it's three times bigger than residential real estate. So, you know, when you think about, you know, I was just talking about rent spree a minute, a minute ago. Rentals is really kind of taking off as we, you know, residential real estate is not on hold, but has definitely slowed down in the last 18 months or 16 months or whatever the, the number is. Um, people are changing and looking at different opportunities to keep their business alive. And rentals is doing uh, some exceptional work. And if you're 
in the real estate industry, only about 14% of people go down that path uh, with the rental side of things. And I, I believe they should grow that. So the property management side makes a ton of sense uh, for so many different reasons. So, uh, you know, we've definitely got our hands full and, you know, we've done all kinds of creative relationships in the last little while. Um, you know, ENV, the real broker, Realty One Group, um, EXP. So when I look at our future, I look, wow, we, we've got such a huge opportunity. Right. Um, it, it's just where, how I think of the industry. Now the industry focuses heavy on lead generation, top of funnel, right? Everybody's got to have leads coming in. Uh, Gary Keller will stand up at conferences and talk about top of funnel. And, and I'm like, wow, we got to get past this because yeah, sure enough, you need people to talk to but the reality is, uh, what is your long-term conversion plan for the 5,000 people you've put into your database for the last 10 years or 10,000 people that you've got in your database? Because real estate agents, as you know, will probably only contact two to 300 of those in a year. Yep. You're being great. Uh, you know, gracious there. I'm not sure it's that many. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I just try and put those numbers out there. Yeah. That- you know, are possibly could be real. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when I look at our competitors and I look at the evolution of real estate platforms, I really see, you know, you've got the, you've got the, um, the Zillows of the world and the realtor.coms and the core logics and the co-star, and they're never going to go away because they're billion dollar companies and behemoths financially. But, you know, us KV core, uh, follow up boss, Mm-hmm. I believe they're the three that are going to come out ahead from, uh, you know, providing real estate agents and brokers the tools that they need to succeed. And there's going to be a bunch that um, combine their efforts. There's like going to be lots of M&A over the next couple of years. Um, smaller companies are going to get gobbled up. Companies yep. that are struggling are going to get gobbled up. The reality of it is, is that only so many, you know, as we drop, we've dropped about 80,000 real estate agents since, you know, Yep. last year a little slow down yeah so yeah yeah so not every company is going to survive uh and some companies have made their missteps missteps and taken on too much and it, it costs them in the long term so uh, it's it's definitely an interesting time to be part of the real estate industry and specifically real estate technology um and as you um you're 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 deep into it so yeah. you get it <laughs> yeah i love that's why i love sharing it i think is that sometimes people don't understand that but Agents, by the very nature, are not marketers, right? Every now and then, a marketing wizard becomes a realtor. It happens. But they're not marketers. They're definitely not developers and coders. Um, They're relationship-based salespeople. They're really good at what they do. And all this tech that's been is just thrown at them over time. Um, Talk about how that, 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 that user experience just has to be dead on perfect. Otherwise, the best tech will never make it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's obviously a problem with technology and real estate is the adoption side, right? Yep. So if yep. you've got a hundred agents in your office and you bring on this technology, typically only 20% of them are going to jump on board because in the background, they're running their own business and they think they need uh, something different to protect their data or whatever, whatever the reason is. Right. right. So it's our job as technology companies uh, to provide them with the training and information about the product that gives them the confidence to actually adopt it. Um, and not just a user count, but also the percentage of the product they use. 
So, you know, if you're, if you're only using 25% of a CRM, uh, you know, 75% of the value of that CRM is going out the door. Um, and you know, we're trying to come back and say, you know what, if you're a brokerage and you're using 12 to 15 different technologies, let's try and get it all into one, right? Let's, let's bring everything together. Uh, and, and that's kind of where we sit in the industry right now. Uh, so there's a couple of issues, right? There's the user adoption on both sides of the coin. There's the number of people using it and the amount of the actual product that people are using. So we, as technology calls evangelists, needs to uh, make sure that we're providing the education around it. And, yeah. and there's a few different ways you can do that. You can go directly to the broker. You can do live training sessions. You can do online tra- training sessions. You can work through MLSs to to provide training on on the basics, right? How to get a proper IDX website built so at least you have some form of online presence. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, educate people on you know marketing spend and what they should be doing on social media and the content that is out there that's readily available for them. Uh, but if they're not willing to work with you, um, and what we're seeing, actually, it's funny because in good times, people are like, ah, whatever I've got is good. But when you hit bad times, they actually start focusing on it. Yep. Uh, so we're seeing our adoption and our the time spent in the system are much greater uh, at this time. Uh, so it's good for us uh, because we're growing. We've got these new relationships, but we're also building the programs on the education side, good. Uh, which is really, really important. Huh. How about onboarding? How, how critical is that in your world? Probably the most important thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because if you don't onboard someone properly, they're never going to use the system because they turn it on and, you know, you're asking them to scroll right or scroll up and down. And, you know, they just, they get frustrated. They're two minutes in. They don't know what specific functionality is working for them. And when you onboard someone properly, you can basically walk them through how to run their business. Uh, you know, yeah. you give them the idea of this is what you've got to do. Now, I say, you know, start with the IDX website, get that up and running the best you can possibly do it, and then move to the CRM. Yeah. Then understand your long-term follow-up and what you're going to do manually and what you're going to let the system take on. And then, you know, take a look at the marketing operation, which is, you know, your email, your text level, text marketing, um, the content that you're driving, and then go into the social media. So it's not one step. It's a long you know, over a two month period, figure all this stuff out, learn it properly, and then make it part of your daily routine. Uh, yeah. Now, do people always do that? No. No, I was going to say there's, there's a lot of, uh, I got to get it done right now, or I, I'll just kind of skip over this and try that. And yeah, you know, it's just not going to work. Um, yeah. I, I, I always I've said this a few times on the show. The CRM is so, is such a critical piece. If people would just call them, call somebody, and then after the call, document what you talked about, right? And then schedule the time for the next call, whether it's two days, two weeks, two months, whatever, and then call them again and repeat. Ultimately, right. if you just did that, and I know that's going to your just using 20% or even less, if you just did that, agents would be far better off in this industry. Yes? Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So silly. Um, let's yeah. how about how about the world of teams, right? So I know you're you're, you're that's an important piece of your puzzle. Um, you know, they're Teams have just exploded in the last few years. You could, you know, there were people like Glenn Sanford talking about it, you know, back in 2017, 18. And all of a sudden now we're at a place where they are, they are really important to both you and I and to every other tech company out there. Yeah. And for the next two to three, five years, Mm -hmm. I believe teams is where everyone's going to focus. Now, if you look at some of the players in the market that are doing really well, like, 
you know, Glenn's company, EXP, mm-hmm. the real broker. Yep. Um, they have this new model, which is really built heavily around teams, um, team leaders, uh, building out their, you know, the growth perspective, uh, not only from, you know, a financial perspective, but just naturally growing in transactions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we've partnered with them. Uh, we believe that our product has what we deem as the best team functionality. And that is, you know, back and forth information, trading information back and forth, accessibility to the database, uh, lead progression, all these different things. We even have a recruiting module now where you can actually plug in an MLS and it'll tell you the the top transactioned and dollar volume agents and brokers that are in the area. So you can actually start sending them info and pull them in. So when I look at those people, they're really aggressive, right? They, I love their models, super excited to be working with them. Uh, And then you've got the traditional models, which, you know, you can see them pushing to teams, but they still are that broker. um, What's the term of use again for having an actual physical location? Yeah, Um, brick and mortar. (laughs) Brick and mortar, right? They've still got a lot of brick and mortar locations with the houses, the pictures of the houses out front. Yep. Today's consumers become incredibly educated on real estate. Um, Sites like Zillow and Realtor.com and basic website functionality, the consumer can find you if they're looking for an agent in an area. And what they want is really, really good content. That is the most important thing. Um, So, you know, until people get to that level, um, and I believe... EXP and Real Broker are really doing the educational side of things and teaching them how to get there. It's going to become way more competitive to actually get a listing. You know, that, the old adage of, you know, I'm going to go through my friends and I'm going to go through family and I'm, it's going to build my real estate industry. Well, the reality of it is now the consumer is so well educated that uh, it's going to be tougher to actually get your business that way. Yep. Like, I think it's all about We've talked about forever. It's location, location, location is the word, but it's local, local, local now. It's how well are you owning that area that you want to dominate in? And you can beat a Zillow if you're just talking about, you know, a five square mile area, right? Because Zillow's sure. thinking about the whole country. So there's there are ways and, and you know, I know Chime has solutions for that stuff. And, and, and you know, we feel at Rate My Agent, we do the same thing, right? Yeah, I have some interesting examples of realtors, right? Uh, and I use myself as an example because I've bought and sold mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. So the first realtor we used, all we get from him every year is a calendar, hmm. right? Christmas, you know, happy yeah, Christmas. A little old school. Here's our, here's, okay. our, yeah. here's our calendar. But that's it. No market information, no right. nothing. I have another realtor who sends... You know, as postcards, but they have my name spelled wrong, my wife's name spelled wrong. Oh. Yeah. So where does that go? <laughs> in the bin. Does, doesn't doesn't make it in my front door. Trust me. Um, but there's other real estate agents who do provide the information that I would be looking. You know, what is the value of a home in my specific area? Right. Yeah. How much can I build up in equity uh, over the next ten years, or if I decide today that my situation has changed, which has had both my kids are out of the house, mm-hmm. do I really need a, a house that's you know over through three thousand square feet? No. Right. So I could possibly take some of that equity, build, look at other options, whether that's a rental property or uh, a house on a lake. Uh, and there's like four billion dollars that's been built up in equity and real estate in North America in the last ten years. Yeah. So. You know, there's some pretty cool companies that are doing stuff out there that I, I 
totally respect, including you guys, like the reviews that you provide are fantastic. Uh, but people are looking at how to change their business. Uh, and a lot of that is revolving around equity um, and what people can do. And if you're a real estate agent, you sat in someone's kitchen table seven years ago when they bought their home. And if you actually jotted down the proper notes and put them in your CRM, you could then turn back the clock and say to, you know, Joe, uh, Joe, you told me back in the day that the next step in your evolution would be to have two rental properties. You've got the equity built up. Let's let, can we, let's work with it. And even if only 20% of your customers are interested in that kind of thing, it's 20 more, 20% more customers than you had a day ago. Yeah. And, and with the average agent, you know, contacting and knowing a few hundred minimum, that's a big number. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a big number. What's my home worth today? It's worth, It's, I mean, Vancouver is a crazy marketplace for real estate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our house has gone triple at least. Wow. The value in the yeah. last 10 years. It's, yeah. it's absolutely nuts. Yeah. By the way, my honeymoon started in Vancouver. I don't know if I've ever told you that. but uh, You never told me that. It's a beautiful place. We were at uh, Stanley Park. We stayed at mm-hmm. the W across the bay right there. We rode bikes. I played the little nine hole course with my wife on our honeymoon. I somehow <laughs> talked her into that. Yeah, it's it's a super great city uh, <laughs> yeah. from May to the end of September. Absolutely. And if you can deal with a little rain. It was August. Oh, so perfect. And we ended up in Edmonton through the Rockies, Lake Louise, Banff. You know, it was gorgeous. Anyways, it's time. I got to get you back to work. I have the final question I've asked every guest. Jay Thompson was my first guest. I don't know if you know Jay out of the Zillow world. But th- it's just a very basic, simple question. And that, that question is, if what one piece of advice would you give to an agent just getting started? Embrace technology, 100%. Uh, embrace it and use it every day in, as a real estate agent. There's no question uh, that people use the technology will come out ahead, if you ask me, in my opinion, right? Right. I'll, I'll take it a step further. So when you get to September, October of this year, you should start thinking about what your goals are for the next year. So plan, goal set, uh, what technology do you want to adapt? What's How much do you want to put into your marketing budget? How much do you want to, and how many transactions will you try and achieve next year? Um, yeah. And you should really be able to build a solid plan or, and a realistic plan around whether it's growth or stability. Run that business like a business, right? Stuart, that's Correct. it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Well, this has been great. Thank you. So, I mean, look, we should have done this a long time ago. I appreciate you uh, finding some time in your busy schedule to do this. Stuart, I will see you probably, I don't know, the next month or two <laughs> at an event near us soon. M- most likely. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app.